Welcome to the Great Western Woods World Building Podcast with me, Angeline Trevina, and me, H.B. Lyne. Join us as we talk all things world building. Get tips and advice for creating rich and immersive worlds for your stories, whether you're an aspiring author or wanting to level up your world building for future books. We'll be digging deep into our own experiences and sharing what we've learned along the way to publishing over 15 books between us in five years. So get comfy and grab a cuppa. Let's get world building. We're now at the end of October, which means a large portion of the writing world are staring down the barrel of NaNoWriMo, or National Novel Writing Month. That's right. Two weeks ago, we touched briefly on the very important aspect of protecting your health during what can be a frantic and high pressure months. And we've done a whole episode previously on surviving camp NaNoWriMo. So if you want to get more into that subject, we recommend you listen to those episodes. So that's season one, episode two, and season two, episode seven. But today we're talking about our own experiences with Nano and what we're embarking on this time around. So Angeline, what are you writing for NaNoWriMo this year? So I am planning on writing the novella for our co-writing project, for those of you who haven't heard about this before, over on our Instagram profile, we ran a month-long world-building challenge, and we used that challenge to create a world together. We will each be writing a novella set in that world, which we'll be releasing both separately and boxed together next year. The world is a future Britain, almost completely underwater after a catastrophic rising of sea levels. The people who can afford it live inside huge domes, breathing filtered air, basking in simulated sunshine and eating food modified for the perfect nutritional balance. Outside the domes, people scratch a living off the little amount of land that remains surviving despite the acidic rain and the poisonous atmosphere. I would have really liked to be writing my novella for this when we decided to do it. It was already, I was already committed to a set of anthologies first. So I've been planning to use this nano to write those for a good few months already. I'm writing three short stories, which will be part of my Shifters of Kerton series, with lots of familiar faces. So I'm excited about this project. There's a whole bunch of other authors from around the world contributing. We're each writing three short stories with the theme of hidden magic. Each author's stories will be linked together and lead into other published works by each of us. So we'll each have one story in each anthology, which will all be released next year. Sounds very cool. So when did you first do NaNoWriMo? What did you write? And where is that manuscript now? <laughs> um, my first attempt was only two years ago in 2017. It was on my radar for a year or two, I think, before I took the plunge and joined in. I started writing a supernatural thriller about a secret society of seers who were persecuted. 
But about halfway through the month, after being increasingly bored, actually, and frustrated by it, a new idea came to me and I jumped into that. It was about demon bikers. And I joked quite publicly that demons had hijacked my novel. I wrote about 38,000 words in total that November across the two projects, neither of which have been finished. I do want to go back to the bikers, in fact. They've been getting a bit antsy lately, calling me all the time, making me play their playlist. So you never know, that one might see the light of day sooner than later. How about you? I did my first nano way back in 2009. I randomly stumbled across mention of nano online probably on Tumblr back in those days, and it was already late October when I came across it, I ummed and ahed for a couple of days and then signed myself up. I was going through quite a tough time at work then. The company I worked for was very slowly falling apart and there were only two of us left in the office with a boss who very rarely turned up for more than about an hour a day. So I pretty much wrote my novel at work because there wasn't really much else to do. I completed it, hitting 50k a few days early, and that was the first complete novel I had ever written. I'd been a short story writer before that, and so this was a revolutionary moment that showed me just what I was capable of. It was an epic fantasy novel called The Ladies of Evertower about a band of travelling dancers. My hard drive actually ate the file several years ago and I had thought that it was gone forever. Honestly though, that was no great loss. But a while ago I actually came across a hard copy of the manuscript and it's sitting in my desk right now. I can tell you that novel is absolutely terrible and I cannot envisage any situation in which it will ever see the light of day. I might strip it for parts, however, steal a character or a concept from it for something else. (laughs) So this is your 10th anniversary of doing Nano then? Oh goodness, I hadn't even noticed that. (laughs) And now you won't be able to unnotice it. (laughs) Absolutely. So what's your usual plotting or preparation strategy like these days? So I am a total mongrel with plotting and discovery writing and story structure and blah, 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 all of that. I'm not an even slightly organised person, either on paper or in my head, and I'm equally muddled when I write and when I plan to write. So whenever I'm faced with the question of how I plot or prepare my novels, I have to ask which one because they're all different. I can safely say that at heart, I am absolutely a discovery writer. That is where my love lies, discovering the story as I write. I know it's not for everyone, but for me, every step is an exciting adventure. But equally, Some of my books have been heavily plotted. Note cards with bullet points for every single chapter, and other books have been somewhere in between the two. What works best for me? I don't know. What season is it? What day of the week is it? I'm just not a single strategy writer at all. There is no pinning me down. (laughs) Well, I won last year in spectacular fashion by writing Into the Dark. Um, But because these 
short stories need to be linked and coherent while also standing on their own, I really had to plan them out. Just the basic structure of each, I'll be leaning into discovery writing to fit the flesh on the bones. I'm a mongrel writer too, with different projects having different demands, so my process has been really inconsistent. I've tried to be a planner, but it's a bit constraining for me and has made me feel really like under pressure, which is ridiculous because it's my own writing and it's just me applying that pressure. It was really liberating last year when I finally just let go of the idea that I had to plan my novel in order to write it quickly. I wrote 66,000 words during NaNo and finished the book on just over 80,000 not long after that. It wasn't a mess at all. It was right and needed only a little work before it was ready for my editor. I published it in April, less than six months after starting it on November the 1st, with only a rough premise. That actually gave me a huge amount of confidence and the ability to trust myself more, to know that there is not just one way to write a good book fast and to relax into what the story needs. Absolutely. How many drafts do you tend to go through and what do they tend to be like? These days, I'm usually ready for my editor in just two drafts, but it's taken a lot of effort to get to this point. Working with my editor has really helped me to become a better writer. Each time she edits a book, the feedback that I get helps me to iron out a crease in my craft. So my first drafts just keep getting better and better. It's pretty much the case now that when I go through the first draft to do revisions it's mostly just a little bit of tidying up that needs to happen but we are all different and for some writers the first draft is is just going to be a complete mess and that's absolutely fine especially during nano when you're trying to write what is probably a lot more words than you normally write in a month Be okay with writing absolute crap in that first draft because you really can fix everything in revisions later. That's one of the things I absolutely love about NaNo. It actually encourages crappy writing. I think that, yes, everyone needs to write crappily. They need to know that feeling of writing with absolute abandon, no fears, no expectations, no worries. They need that feeling of simply completing something and being proud of themselves for the achievement of it. And they need that feeling of taking that awful first draft and turning it into something beautiful. Mm. These days, I don't tend to head for 50k in NaNoWriMo. I aim for 30k. And if I get any more than that, then it's just a bonus. You see, I am a first draft girl. That's the moment I live for. That's the exciting bit. Editing is drudgery, repetitive, soul destroying. I know some writers love that bit, but I just can't feel that myself. So like you, I've worked really hard on my strategy over the years because there are some things that you can only learn through experience, aren't there really? Mm. I currently write and publish three books a year and I'd like to get that up to four. A lot of people have said to me that I'm really lucky to be able to do that, but honestly, it's not luck at all. It is just years of hard work and perfecting my strategies and systems. And I work things to work best for me. Like I say, I hate 
editing. So I actually write an extremely clean and tight first draft. I wouldn't say I'm a particularly slow writer, but I'm a considered writer and I do some gentle editing as I go. My whole aim is to cut down on the editing process and cut back the number of passes that I need to do. So generally, the third draft is the one that goes to my beta readers. So how are you preparing for NaNoWriMo? Because I'm discovery writing, I'm not doing any planning prep at all. All the world building was done back before the summer during our challenge. So that's all done too. So it's mostly about the characters. And I'm not doing much more than meditating on them, really. When November comes around, as long as I have the world in place and the characters' voices set in my head, that's really all I need. So my prep largely involves just having conversations with my characters and seeing what fun ideas come out of that. I'm also trying to get as much work as possible out of the way to clear my schedule. I feel like I should be relaxing because Nano is one heck of a feat and requires a huge time and energy commitment from me. But I've got so much other stuff that needs doing before I can bury myself into the challenge of Nano. I'll probably be halfway dead by the time December comes. <laughs> yeah, conversations with my characters are happening too. I just participated in a fun little Instagram challenge where I asked my main character questions and wrote replies in his voice. That was great for getting into his head, ready for this story. Besides figuring out the structure of my stories, I'm actually spending more time with my family to kind of preempt the neglect that they'll receive in November. Mm. I'll also have my bullet journal all set up nicely in advance with all my nano spreads, as I found that really really helpful last year i'm gonna batch cook some meals and tuck away some cash for takeaways so that i don't have to think about too many meals that's a good plan (laughs) so what's your strategy for actually getting through the month really use the community for accountability and take all the support i can get from family I think that's the key to managing life while participating in Nano, whether you're really going for the win or not, which I am. But no one can do it alone, not if they have other commitments. It must be quite different for single people. (laughs) (laughs) The first year I did Nano, I did it completely alone. I didn't join my home region on the website. I didn't chat in the forums. I didn't really even tell anyone I was doing it. It was an entirely soul endeavour and it was entirely mine. And I kind of liked that. The second year I went up to meetups and I made some lifelong friends from it and it became a very social thing after that. These days my nano social side mostly comes from my connections on social media Because I have kids, I can't really go to any of the local meets because it's just totally inconvenient for me as a mum. I'd like to, but hey, you have to deal with the life you have, don't you? Mm. But yeah, I agree. Support and camaraderie are hugely important things. I will also keep reminding myself that word count is not everything, that nano isn't everything. That even if I end the month with just 15,000 words, that's 15,000 more than I had before. And it's a victory in itself. I'm also a big advocate of celebrating all the little milestones along the way. I 
I love those badges that you can collect on the Nano website now. Mm. And I'll be treating myself for picking up those as I go. I actually saw a photo on Instagram of someone who had bought themselves a Nano goodies hamper with little treat bags to open for each word count milestone. And I think that's an amazing idea. I might actually make something like that for myself. Yeah, that's a really nice idea. Mm. Last year, um, I had rewards for each 10k milestone. And I love treating myself to those. The grand prize for 50k was a cute purple ukulele. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I loved playing Christmas songs on it throughout December. That was a really nice treat to myself. <laughs> so what's your number one top tip for NaNoWriMo? Absolutely. Top tip. Don't take it too seriously. I see a lot of people on social media really, really freaking out over Nano and their word count. It's a game. Nothing terrible happens if you don't hit 50k. It's meant to be fun. If it's not fun anymore and it's stressing you out, you need to take a step back and look at the reasons for that. Aim for a lower target or only write certain days of the week or stop altogether. Just enjoy it and enjoy allowing yourself to write some truly terrible fiction or some awesome fiction. I don't know. But have fun, play around, write a stupid dream sequence or a filthy sex scene or an unexpected alien invasion. Just have a laugh because you can edit it afterwards. Absolutely. We touched on that in our recent mental health episode too, and it can't be repeated often enough. Yeah. My top tip is to get a good start. I think that's really the most important thing if you're going to smash your goal. Once you get behind, it can be really difficult to catch up. So use the momentum of week one to get as many words down as possible so that you can afford to lose a bit of momentum mid-month. Because it's usually the way Nano goes. The first week is amazing. Everyone is fired up and flying through their targets. And that buzz of energy can really carry you. But that dissipates in week two. And a lot of writers drop out after that. That was certainly my problem in the first year. But if you get, say, 20,000 words written in the first week, then you can ease off the accelerator a bit in that second week when family are losing patience and you realise you didn't prep as many meals in advance as you thought you had. Yeah, the week two slump is actually something of a nano legend, really. I totally agree. Get ahead in week one while you're still running on adrenaline and then you can just pace yourself more in week two when it feels like you want to die. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's it for our nano prep tips. So um, just good luck to everyone who's participating. Yeah, definitely good luck. Yeah. um, So let's do cool stuff. So cool stuff. Recently, I watched Raising Dion on um, Netflix and... It was friggin' awesome. I absolutely loved it. If I had had the whole chunk block of time to binge watch the entire series in one go, I totally would have. Unfortunately, I didn't. It took me three nights to get through the whole series. But yes, it is friggin' awesome. Watch it. It is a real good one for binge watching. So it's basically about 
I'm I'm not going to tell you too much because honestly, I could tell you very little about it and still kind of spoil it. Um, so it is basically about a child, a young boy who develops superpowers. Um, but like the whole series is all about unraveling like how he got them and where they came from and everything. So I'm not going to say any more except go and watch Raising Dion if you have Netflix because it is awesome. <laughs> and I did actually get out of the house this week. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> it's almost as if there's a real world out there. <laughs> um, yeah, on Saturday, um, we, me and my husband went for a very impromptu treat day. We went to the cinema and we watched the new Joker movie that I really wanted to see. And wow, yeah, I can... This one has really split the critics and I can I really can see why like it's obviously it's a superhero movie and we all kind of know what to expect from superhero movies now don't we you know yeah. we we have seen loads of them this is not that <laughs> it is like <laughs> deep heavy like full on social commentary it is neither enjoyable nor relaxing but it's not meant to be and that's it's fantastic in that um so yeah if you if you go and see it don't be expecting to see like a, a typical superhero movie because it is so much more than that and yeah right i can see why some people hated it i really can but i thought it was absolutely amazing Mm. yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing it we just haven't had a chance yet yeah but it is good <laughs> I am I am so into the dark you know DC universe and just yeah. the the bleaker side of of that it whole certainly is bleak genre. <laughs> <laughs> so my cool thing is um a board game we've been playing a lot of board games this month and one that was new to me is Plague Inc, which uh, I have been informed by our editor Paul is also a an app as well. But we played the board game, and um, you're basically playing as like a virus or a bacteria, and you have to try and kill all the people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great, and it's it it has these tiny little. Um, you know, pieces that represent infection breakouts that look a bit like sweets. They're just these really cute little <laughs> coloured <laughs> things. Um, don't eat them. Not for children under three. May contain mm. small parts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was it. Was really fun. And when we started playing, I was like really not in the mood, and I was just like, I, I don't. It's too late in the evening. I can't learn a new game, and I don't want to play. And I was in quite a grump about it. But after about 10 or 15 minutes I was so into it and I was sort of gleefully like wiping out everyone in the UK and everyone in Japan and just like wow yeah it was fun <laughs> uh so much fun to be had with yeah. mass murder <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah as as a post-apocalyptic author yeah I find that fun too. <laughs> uh, yes, good. And we, we we both do tend to go to a dark place. You know, we have that tendency in us. So I think yeah. I think we definitely do. And yeah. talking of dark places, Holly. Mm. Oh, I have chosen such a mean. Would you rather question? 
Okay, bring it on. And it is from me. This is this is my would you rather question, and it is just <laughs> horrendous. So, Holly, would you rather give up reading for for a whole year or give up movies and TV shows for a whole year? Uh, it's mean. It is, <laughs> and uh, this is I. I'm going to be lynched by the writing community, but I'm going to say I would rather give up reading. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just because I I need that. I I need my, you know, time in front of the TV to just mm-hmm. let my mind go blur. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's vital as a, you know, as a parent. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. Come come like because my kids are still quite young like seven o'clock um to eight o'clock is sort of like bedtime and uh yeah after that my brain definitely goes blur <laughs> <laughs> like yeah evenings are netflix blur. Mm. um but yeah so you could give up reading for a whole year you think i could and there have been times in my life where i really didn't read for mm. a year or more at a time just didn't yeah. feel like it so I, I know I can. and Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. See, me, I'm going to go the other way. I mm. will give up movies and TV shows for a year. And I tell you, it would be damn hard. Like, this would be, like, one of the cruelest things. Probably the only crueler thing you could do is ban me from coffee. <laughs> um which you're not it's you you'd have to prize coffee from my cold dead fingers um <laughs> but um my thinking on this is after a year i can catch up on tv shows and movies pretty quickly whereas mm-hmm. after a year if loads of books came out that year that i desperately wanted to read it would take me a lot longer to catch up on it and take a lot more effort to catch up on them Mm. and so that's kind of my thinking and with like like nowadays i watch probably like 98 percent of the tv i watch is streamed even stuff that we watch on actual like terrestrial tv or like sky tv i never watch it live i record it Mm. all it is all recorded and the only thing that i watch like regularly every single week is Neighbours. That is my one soap that I watch <laughs> and I have no shame about it. I have watched it my entire life and I adore it. Yeah. And honestly, I would miss that. That would be tough for a year. But mm. oh my goodness, I, I would have so much fun catching up on a whole year's <laughs> worth of episodes of Neighbours. That would be like a dream oh for me. I, I know, I know. It's it's my sad little thing. But honestly, I no shame at all. I, I really don't <laughs> care. I love Neighbours. I'll, I'll shout it from the rooftops. I love it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yes, it, it probably doesn't go with my like dark, brooding <laughs> author personality, but yeah whatever um but yeah that would that would be my reasoning that um i could have a very cool few months after that year was over to catch up on all the movies and tv that i had missed yeah it see, would be fun my other half and i we we watch so much that if we went a year without watching any of it we would never be able to catch up like yeah. you know, so just uh, no. 
no. But yeah, we stream or record absolutely everything. The only exception, um, and it's only a partial exception, is The Walking Dead, which mm. we always watch when it like as close to when it airs as possible. Like mm. I'm really mindful. Like right now, it's seven minutes past nine in the evening on a Monday evening, and it's on right now. And I'm like, <gasps> there's a part of me that's kind of twitching a bit. It's like I have to get to the Walking Dead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let, let's see how long I can drag this episode out for to keep you from the walking dead let's let's see if we can actually drive holly absolutely out of her mind with keeping her away from the walking dead that no, sounds that's... like a fun challenge you know that i can ramble on and i on. i know <laughs> i'm aware that would be incredibly cruel but it would. we are you know we are recording it so it actually doesn't matter and we Yay. will start it when I'm done. So and you'll be able to skip the adverts. So I know that's the best bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I always think it's amusing that like our kids have this is all they know. Oh, they I know. don't. They have no concept of a time where you couldn't pause the TV or fast and forward. The TV. Like going to the toilet in the advert break w- yeah. was like the biggest adrenaline rush ever <laughs> as to whether you'd get back in time. And the scream from the living room of "It's back on!" <laughs> and you, you like yeah. hurtling through the house with your pants around your ankles. <laughs> And having to choose whether you were going to go to the toilet or go get a drink. You couldn't do both. You didn't have time for both. Pick oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Pick one, <laughs> stick to it. And my goodness, if two people in the house ever wanted to watch two different things that were on at the same time, <laughs> it was like a fight to the death, really, wasn't it? Like yeah. gladiatorial match, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know our our kids will never know the struggles. No. <laughs> and only four channels to choose from. <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, no, how sad. I can't imagine living without Netflix now. No, I know. It's amazing how quickly you get like accustomed to something. It really, really is. Yeah. <laughs> but on that note, I will let you go and watch the the uh, Walking Dead. I Fine. promise. Go, go and yeah. watch those zombies. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Great Western Woods Worldbuilding Podcast. We'll be back next week with more writing tips and tricks. You can find us in all the usual places. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And all the show notes and whatnot are on our website at greatwesternwoods.com. On our website, you can also find the link to join our band of adventurers and access our monthly online worldbuilding chat sessions. 